sleep on him entirely because you know <laughs> yeah man i'm so excited to like just <clears throat> especially because i just uh half hour here uh before we started recording i just re i just kind of skipped through for fun mm. again oh my god we didn't even talk about uh fucking glenn out or he should he's well but he's he's not yeah he's not this very much. he's not he's he's not MVP. hit that intro all right welcome to the Fargon conclusion podcast covering every episode of the fx show fargo i'm tiffany and i'm cody and this week we'll be talking about season one episode two the rooster prince uh hey hey tiffany i'm your friend cody and we're here uh, since it's your first time watching the show what did you think of the episode um i'm very <laughs> excited about the new people that got introduced in, yeah. in this particular episode. It was certainly not as action-packed as the last episode was. I didn't... I wasn't like, oh my god, what's going on? But mm. it's really it's like... It's a lot of just picking up the pieces from <laughs> last week. Well, and I feel like we're establishing a lot of things with, like, going to Duluth. Like, we're getting mm-hmm. a better understanding of that where it was just teased in the last episode. Uh, we could dive into some of the yeah. cast members. Um, I guess first we'll do a few details. Uh, this episode aired April 22nd, 2014. This one was also written by Noah Hawley. Curious to see if uh, we're going to get new writers. And I mentioned last week that Adam Bernstein directed this episode, but this is his final, so be interesting to see what new directors we get next week yeah so get get out of here bernstein we're sick of your shit go do better call saul damn it (laughs) all right so new cast members we start off with mr numbers and mr wrench is that their Mm -hmm. their names Um, numbers and wrench okay and mr numbers is played by adam goldberg I know him mostly from Days Confused. He's in a lot of things. He's been doing stuff for a long time. But I just, I've seen that movie, like, a lot of times. He's, he's one of those dudes who just, like, he's never the star of the movie, but he's, like, in it. You see his face for, like, five or more minutes. He's been in, like, a war movie. Like, uh, I think he was in Saving Private Ryan, I think I, I saw. No, maybe. Either put, that or, like, what's the I put the a Brad beautiful mind as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know. He's in everything. He's one of those guys. He has a very long, a long list. And then I looked oh, up yeah. uh, Mr. Wrench, who's played by Russell Harvard. And yeah. I had not seen him in anything at all. Um, but I did think it's interesting that he is actually deaf. Yeah, I didn't know that. I learned that when I read your notes. Yeah. So that's that's cool for him to to get a role like this. I'm very curious what he is saying in sign language, ASL. Um, I was hoping that the IMDb trivia would give some insights into that. <laughs> Maybe I could I could probably find it on, on a Reddit somewhere. Sign language is interesting because I, I took a couple years of it in high school. It's so weird because it's just it's kind of like... Um, accents where there's different dialects yeah and there's so many words for so many ways to sign everything it's what it's wild it really is i've read this book um 
by a guy named Oliver Sacks. The book is called Seeing Voices, and it's just, it is really wild to help. Because, like, British sign language is different than American sign language, even. Yeah. Of sign language. I, uh, but also, at the same time with this, like, you know, a lot of it, a lot of what he says is pretty much immediately repeated. Or at least spoken by Mr. Numbers. Yeah. Which is why I think they didn't do subtitles or anything like that. Yeah, I guess I was just curious. I'm like, I bet you the internet will tell me what he's saying. <laughs> um, and I was a little disappointed in the internet. Darn it. <laughs> and then, is it Don Chumpf? Is that? I, or Chump? I, yeah. I, I, let's go with Chumpf. I think it's Chumpf. <laughs> I don't know if his last name ever actually gets said, okay. so I don't know. The more ridiculous, <laughs> I think, the better for Glenn yep. Howerton. Good old Glenn Howerton. Uh, who is obviously most well-known for It's Always Sunny. Mm-hmm. I love also that he's a, a Juilliard alum. Like, I don't know, you can kind of tell that he's really skilled and like dedicated to his craft. And so far yeah. from his character on... It's always sunny. That like really is revolting to me. Like he is such an asshole in nearly every episode. I can't think of a one where I was like, oh man, I feel for him. Yeah, this this, this character really is just a, it's an alternate reality, Dennis. <laughs> one time, as a matter of fact, um, funny that you bring up the Juilliard thing because I remember when I lived in San Diego. I went to Balboa Park one time, and at the Old Globe Theater there, he was, like, starring in, like, a Shakespeare play. I was just like, what? <laughs> Dennis from, from It's Always Sunny? He's playing, you know, King Lear? <laughs> Have you seen him in anything besides this and It's Always Sunny? He gets blasted by a shotgun in um, The Strangers. I remember seeing him in that movie. Be- that was actually before It's Always Sunny, I think. Or maybe, like, right when, before I had watched it, at least. And I remembered him from that when I first watched It's Always Sunny. And he's also, he's the lead in that AP Bio show, but I think that got canceled. I watched the first season. I was going to watch, I think, the second season, but Peacock streaming really doesn't... That. They took away my office. Yeah. <laughs> NBC is really uh, getting on my nerves with trying to make me pay for content. <laughs> Peacock. I'm like, okay, I also, guess I just won't watch that show now. I'm not... I'm not gonna pay for it it's confusing too because like yeah they took away certain shows from other streaming platforms but like 30 rock is still on netflix and hulu i think yeah i'm sure it's a so there's contract ones that they just thing. Throw out in the world. It, i'm guessing that they want to get all of yeah. them on their platform at some point but or maybe they're just they'll cycle through you know like put them mm. on another platform for a time and then pull them didn't they try to do a streaming service before as well and it failed, and now they're just doing it again. I don't remember, but I'm... I don't know. Fuck you, NBC. Put your shows out. I'm anyway. quite annoyed with all of the different streaming platforms trying to do their own thing, even though most yeah. of them do have, like, good content. It's really frustrating. Yeah, I remember when Quibi came out for, like, a minute, mm. and, like, nobody... Like, they put so much money in, like, got, like high-level actors to do stuff, and they just nobody gave a shit. The yeah, entire world I mean, care. I felt like for a while... <laughs> I was constantly hearing or about CISO. like certain people signing on to do Quibi shows, if that's even what you would call yeah. content on Quibi. <laughs> um, but I never saw anything like any positive reviews of what that content was, and yeah, I don't know. Not surprising that it it didn't work out. But it also, I think, one of their big things was 
you could watch this while you're on a subway, like headed to work. And then the pandemic hit and people stopped (laughs) having those like little short moments while they're commuting somewhere. (laughs) I don't know if that was really Quibi's downfall, but I'm sure the Quibi reps will tell you that. Oh, those poor Quibi reps. Um, So anyway, Glenn Howerton, (laughs) I really liked him in AP Bio and it's, still kind of a Dennis-like character, but a lot, a lot more sympathetic. And that really warmed me to Glenn Howerton more so than I was able to with It's Always Sunny. But this character seems like he is um, awful, going to be annoying. <laughs> You're going to love him. But I'm, ex- I'm so excited. He's it's going to be great. Uh, and then we have uh, Greta Grimley, played by Joey King. She has so many credits on her IMDb page. She has been acting since she was seven. Her first role was on The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Makes sense. And and then has been in things that are, you know, very, like, well-known adult movies and just random stuff in the background. Yeah, I uh, I loved her. In a, she, she's good in a Crazy Stupid Love, and then I, I love the Conjuring movies. I know you guys are lame and don't like horror movies. Not oh, not, yeah, not the fans. I'm talking specifically to Tiffany and her boyfriend Tom. But yeah, the Conjuring. She she's great in the Conjuring movie. I saw her in the Kissing Booth, uh, <laughs> a teen like rom com movie on Netflix. Yeah. And the final entry that I have, I don't um, is Oliver Platt as Stavros. Oh, uh, yeah. I recognize him, but not from a whole lot. Do you? Um, yeah, I mean, fuck. It, he's, again, he's like, uh, what's his name, Adam Goldberg, where, yeah, I've, I've seen him in a million things, but I can't really name anything. I, I, I remember, I think I first saw him in Ready to Rumble. It's a movie with, um, <laughs> Courtney Cox Arquette, David Arquette, <laughs> about wrestling. You had to go through the... Yeah, I had to go through his wife. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, David Arquette is a movie about wrestling where he plays, like, an old wrestler. I what remember seeing him on the West Wing, uh, and I mean, most people who did something on the West Wing were incredible at it, so <laughs> that all worked for me. And then we got a few additional people, um, I don't have all of their names pulled up here, but basically the the family surrounding Stavros. Yeah. His wife, his, wife. his son, his bodyguard, Lake fire Classic. hydrant. Oliver Platt was also in Lake Placid. Um, do you remember the names of the people that were of his son and wife? His son is Dimitri. I don't know his wife's Dimitri. name. Dimitri has given me major, like, Buster Bluth vibes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Pretty much. Except, you know, two hands. The only difference between the two people. Slightly better hairline. Okay. So yeah, that's uh, our, our new cast for now. Mm-hmm. You ready to to get into a breakdown? Oh shit! Hell, hell yeah, I am. Gosh darn it! Let me tell you. All right, so yeah, we open up with some sick ass drums, which may or may not be the intro music to this podcast, depending on if Justin gets off his lazy ass or not. Badass drums again. We're on a a long snowy highway. A couple of dudes in a car with wrench and numbers, but. We don't know their names at this point because there's only music playing, and one of them is deaf. But uh, drums cut out. We end up with um, the character's name. I guess is actually Max Gold. Um, is the connect or Sam Hess's like um, Fargo mob connection? The and, bald guy. Yeah, 
So they they drive into Fargo, I guess from or no, they drive into Bemidji from Fargo to meet with Max Gold at uh, Hess's trucking company. They 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 communicate with each other via sign language. Numbers is asking, or no, they start off with just like a goofy little quip about how the town ha- doesn't have a library. Which, yeah, which doesn't surprise me because it's a small town. But I looked it up, and there are 16,000 public libraries in the United States. (laughs) So there are quite a lot. I just don't know that you can expect that every single town would have one. So, uh, yeah, you know, they have the little back and forth. But I agree. Libraries are great. Get a library card if you don't have one. (laughs) They have DVDs there, too. Didn't you know that? Um, You can also get, like, audio and e-books through their... Most of them use the Libby app, and it's super easy to rent and return things using that app. So, library plug, plus, get a card. Plus nice cold water fountains, usually. Which are you allowed yeah, to I mean, use water fountains in the, library, the pandemic? But, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Maybe those have all been shut down. <laughs> so they wonder if the killing was tied to business, and Max tells them about the visit from, uh, you know, Lauren, but they don't know who he is, obviously. Uh, and then Max actually- he gives such a vague description of <laughs> of Lorne as well. It's like not too tall. Okay, here it is: brown hair, just under six feet. Not young, not old. <laughs> Had a cut on his forehead. That's so. That's so vague. I mean, most. Yeah. Like I don't know. Most people are just under six feet or around six feet. I would say so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it describes a lot of men. Um, medium age, and I don't know why they didn't say bad bangs. Because that haircut. What are you talking about? And then, somehow, they found a guy with the exact same haircut later. Yeah, that poor it's fucking like, son of a bitch who just happened to bang his forehead, too. His band-aid on his forehead. Just like, you, oh, like, man. You really should have done that. The fact that they were able to get... The, like that much of a match based off of this terrible description is incredible to me. And so um, Max, I guess, uh, you know, relays that although Sam was a jerk, he was his friend. It's, so this is kind of a weird... I thought this was a little, just a little bit strange that it's like, oh, you actually liked Sam? Huh. <laughs> and uh, the, one thing, the one thing I don't like about this episode, but, you know, whatever, is, you know, what, do you, what are you guys going to do when you find him in the... Uh, and wrench does like the throat slitty move with the finger and it's just like okay <laughs> yeah and i was like is that is that asl or is that just, just his, dumb. his move yeah <laughs> uh, yeah so i didn't like i don't know i don't know why but i just didn't like that corny it's, it's pretty cheesy yeah but whatever show that isn't typically that cheesy i mean i feel like when it's cheesy it's doing it more intentionally than that i guess but still whatever you know just whatever Let's get past it. I won't cry anymore over it. Um, then we go to uh, the post-funeral for good old Pearl at Kitty and Chaz's. Lester's having a great time. <laughs> There's no hams being massaged this week. That would be either. really weird if the... <laughs> is it awake? If he was massaging a Pearl? ham. It seems like some type of event for Pearl, yeah, right? Yeah, I, I, I guess it's like the after-funeral gathering of... Yeah, so I guess... Is that awake? No. I don't know. They just met there after the funeral, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think if he would have been massaging a ham in this scene, it would have been less corny than the throat slit. I'm not going to talk about that anymore, though. <laughs> it's, it's not 
you know, it's not the actual funeral, but it is weird to me that no one really even seems to be checking on Lester. Like, <laughs> usually the, like, very, the closest loved ones to the person who passed is, like, the star of that event, and people are like, how are you doing? How is it? And, like, no one seems to either care about Lester or probably Pearl. Yeah, it is interesting, because, yeah, pretty much, I guess, and, and it's also odd, I think, that the only real family members we meet, but I guess, you know, it's for the sake of, you know, why do you, why need more characters when there's so many good ones already, but the only family of Lester's like to meet is his brother. I would like to have met Pearl's mom. <laughs> I would have liked to have met Pearl's mom that was not a fan of Lester. That would have been yeah interesting oh yeah that would have been fun you're right oh you're the loser that (laughs) my my daughter married that would have been fun you're right that mom would have been like that at this this funeral event as well Chaz invites Lester to stay and uh, they talk about uh, Lester selling his house but Lester doesn't really he's like why would I do that kind of soaked Um, in your wife's blood (laughs) I also like that I bet I bet Pearl would have loved to stay with Chaz and Kitty. <laughs> and, like, now now that she's gone, Lester is, like, living her dream. Yeah, if only, if only. He gets to experience the surround sound. <laughs> and I guess as they're talking, you know, there's a couple quick flashes of the murder and all that. Or, uh, to the, oh, to Vern being shot, rather. This isn't really relevant to listeners. <laughs> I have... Like, some type of wrist pain that happens, like, right between my thumb and, like, forefinger on my hand right where Lester's, like... Oh, really? <laughs> like, wound is. And so when he's, like, looking at it and, you know, just, like, moving his hand, I feel so connected to that because I'm like, I know you're ah, what is this dumb pain? I think it's some type of, like, arthritis pain that seems to happen, like right in that one spot on one side <laughs> gotta, stop, and, gotta stop typing so hard <laughs> yeah i'm like did someone shoot me there is that what's going on i'm confused molly goes and you know visits fern's grave which you know it's a pretty nice grave thurman you didn't like it You're, that's not what you it's want like on your grave black box with like the text outline i don't know i wonder if they actually made that or if that's like a or if that's like a cgi you know how much money do you think it costs to like engrave like a gravestone? I'm certain it's not cheap. I feel like they make everything relating to funerals very expensive. So. Oh yeah, just throw me out in the tree. Right. Um, so we're at Vern's house. Ida's Ida's taking care of everyone, which you know that's super cool. <laughs> that's gotta be fun. She seemed, for how aloof she seemed last episode she seemed a lot sharper more competent this episode yeah yeah she's got a good head on her shoulders i think she's mrs thurman of course she's smart god damn it of course she's pregnant so uh molly tries to do some dishes Ida does a one or two but she ends up doing you know she's doing the dishes trying to help out she she talks about a story about a uh, Vern told her about a boss who was killed by a uh, hailstone i think or something like that yeah she says <laughs> when he was a rookie had a boss couldn't tell a shoe from his foot got killed by a hailstone just standing in the parking lot of the dairy queen having a milkshake hailstone comes down size of a softball crushes his skull <laughs> and molly asking the important questions what flavor <laughs> and not missing a beat strawberry i think 
one of my favorite great details that's a good one put that in the quote section (laughs) and you know they talk about how Vern was going to talk to Lester about Hess and uh good old Saul coming in Bill's there oh I wanted to point out too like it seems a little bit weird when your husband has just died from like a police related thing to then tell tell the story of when you found out that your dad was shot but not <laughs> killed like he's bragging about it <laughs> yeah it kind of feels like, like a little rude oh yeah i remember this this incident where i thought maybe i was gonna lose the person that i loved and then which i was trying to think i there's no mention of that in season two i don't believe yeah i think it's after because she says she's an algebra which would be like yeah she was like five that, that makes sense <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. It just seemed like a weird time to tell that story when she's grieving her husband who died is not coming back. And she's like, I got scared once too. Yeah. And I does not like, I don't know. I, I, I does not a mess in this scene, you know, like she's just handling it, which is nice, I guess, you know, at least we're not dealing with just like a, we're not dealing with someone who is just like completely distraught and just like gonna lose their mind you know yeah and you know this is following the the dairy queen story (laughs) with you know molly just straight up being like i was thinking about when my dad got shot and like i I don't know seems just (laughs) like maybe not the right time to be to be in your feelings about this with this particular person but yeah then we have Saul coming over, right? Yeah, and he's, you know, talking about how Lester, you know, he's such, oh my god, this whole season. You So you haven't seen anything of episode three, right? No. Okay. <laughs> it's just so amazing how bad of a cop <laughs> Bill is. He it's wonderful. is so frustrating. <laughs> and, and this is the beginning him of it. Him being so bad even made me think, like, maybe Ida would be a better cop than Bill. Oh, just 100%. Just from what she's 100%. learned from, from Vern. Bill actively she's, works against the police force. <laughs> He's doing the I, I feel like she job. was even, like, trying to talk Bill into, into doing, to actually, like, investigating. Doing anything, really. Bill doesn't uh, want to do anything. He just wants to, and so, he, yeah, he's talking about how Hess's murder is probably just, I think he calls it, the cutthroat world of regional trucking. And, <laughs> and he thinks it's a complete coincidence that there's a massacre the next day, and he blames uh, he, he blames Lester's thing on just, just a drifter. Just We're not going to ever possibly track down an identity of this drifter. Just, it's a drifter. But Yeah, and this, this story that he tells about <laughs> Lester, too. Is... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lester's, yeah, and it's just, yeah, they really reinforce a lot in these first couple episodes how much of a sad sack Lester has been his whole life. Uh, yeah, he <laughs> fainted when he had to dissect a mouse. <laughs> um... <laughs> A girl had her monthly once in gym class. There goes Lester fainting again. <laughs> also, how do you see? How do you? How would you see that? I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it it could have been a wardrobe uh, I guess. issue for that girl, but that shouldn't be faint worthy. Not Jesus for Christ. 
Not for him, anyway. I don't know. There are, there are some people who literally just seeing blood at all. Like, my cousin's like that. Like, where I remember I was we were riding scooters one day, and he fell and scraped his knee, and his mom came running up and covered his eyes. Because if he, if he saw blood coming out of his knee, he would just pass out, which is um, crazy. But apparently some people are like that. <laughs> I would say, based on what we see in this episode, or so far in the show, that... Lester handles blood a lot better than <laughs> yeah he, Bill he does, does pretty good. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think like, about that parallel of him throwing up when he saw Hess. Like it wasn't it, it's not great. I wouldn't call Lester handling anything great really, but <laughs> he didn't throw up his spaghetti. So yep. But uh, so and then of course here comes the la- the first and last good decision Bill makes as a policeman where they he he agrees to go with molly to talk to lester that lester should at least be questioned one time very gently we get cut to a lester wandering through the house he goes into pearl's closet and uh cries into her sweaters yeah (laughs) has a real moment of actually being like oh shit my wife's dead i i care a little bit there were a couple there were a couple of pieces on the wall that had quotes on oh them my God. and one of them that i caught was everything happens for a reason <laughs> and i just it feels kind of funny now that yeah it's a good one i mean even her having like uplifting quotes on the wall just goes against garbage person <laughs> her her general attitude as a, as a human being so <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah, I'm sure outside of shitting on Lester, she probably was one of those people who, you know, live, laugh, love, and all that sort of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Is it as he's crying into the thing that Bill and Molly show up into her sweater? Pretty much, yeah. Okay, so Bill and Molly show up, gathers himself, and they sit at the kitchen table. <laughs> we get another great, great experience of stuttering Lester. You know, just mumbling his way through, trying to coming up with stories and all this. Terrible liar, <laughs> terrible. I mean, just so so many things where it's like you could have been really vague. Yeah. But instead, you're just like denying these things. I think he denies knowing Sam Hess well. Yeah. And it's like, and um, I don't know if I put this here, but um, I. I'm wondering if there's going to be footage of uh, Lester and Sam outside of the appliance store from either the appliance store or a nearby mm. store. You'd think. So, <laughs> I'm but just going to throw that out there as a possibility. 2006 kind of, I mean, had cameras, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I would think possibly from the store, like inside the store would make sense. Um but there were also like people walking by, so yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a dumb lie, but he says so many dumb lies that you can't necessarily be like, oh, that's the one that's going to get exposed. Because that would be <laughs> too simple. A lot of exposing. Yeah, and so Bill says, I guess before that, you know, before this, that he wants to do all the talking. But of course, all all he wants to talk about is like fucking bubble gum or shit and some shit like that. Meanwhile, yeah, grape grape gum, which. Then later he says it's hubba bubba, but mm. I don't... Like you were saying, just the terrible lies, like, oh, I must have been saying my face is a mess. That sounds like Sam Hess. That 
just don't say anything, honestly. He, there's a lot of time, but then again, when he does just say nothing, all he says is every is just everything's fuzzy to him. Everything yeah. in the past few days. No answers, just... It would have been really easy for him to be like, oh yeah, I, you know, saw Sam Hess right before I broke my nose, slipping on whatever, mm-hmm. his, whatever his story was. Yeah. And just be like, yeah, I had just run into him. But instead he's like, uh, I... I don't really remember him. Yeah, and I think Molly at this point is absolutely convinced that, you know, Lester's... She, she knows Lester's got some shit going on. But Bill pulls, pulls her away, saying that uh, he's satisfied or whatever. Lester says yeah. Pearl was a good wife and <laughs> keeps asking himself who could have done a thing like this. So, nothing really yeah. accomplished except for the fact that Molly knows what's going on. Or knows something's going on, rather. She's she's not fooled by by any of this, but... It's just, it's painful to hear Lester, like, Stammer. really screw himself over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Martin Freeman's great at that. Um, let's go to the post office. All right. And, uh, you know, Lauren acts like a completely normal person at the post office. Just asks for, what, what does he say, like, I, I have a package, what's your name? And he's just like, what? <laughs> to this totally logical and reasonable question. And, you know, he's all sorts of threatening and creepy. There is, in fact, a package there for him that is literally just labeled to Duluth, or the town of Duluth. I'm going to ask you a question as a male expert, <laughs> and hopefully you can answer this. Would a package to Duluth, like, would that go to this mail place? Like, would you need more? Um, It would go, yes. I don't know what, honestly, I don't know exactly what would happen. I, there is the dead letter office where shit like that just goes. Yeah, I mean, it would go to that office, but then I don't know what would happen. Is the dead <laughs> is letter it, office at, like, a, a post office? Uh, fuck, I don't even know. Oh, I worked at the post office for about five years, by the way. This is why you don't work at the post <laughs> office anymore. Yeah, they fired me. These questions. <laughs> they uh, fired me for not knowing where dead letters go. I and then also, the like... I don't know specifically, like, this wasn't the post office necessarily, but would you need um, ID to pick up mail? Yes. Okay. Yes. I, I mean, you know, obviously he got this through threatening the guy. So that's another way you can get mail. But also, what the fuck? Kind of, like, this is the weirdest post office I've ever seen also. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, like a big open... A- it looks like a community, like, rec center type yeah. deal that has a <laughs> post office, like, in the corner. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Duluth is a weird town. Well, but and I feel like they'd have a bigger post office. <laughs> at, like, insisting that that's uh, doesn't need to be done, so I'm not going to do it. And I feel like that's what we see a lot of with, with Lauren Malvo. But also, yeah. I'm not sure what the rules are for him. But he is very much just like, no, I'm not going to do that unless yeah. it, it fits with my, I don't know what his He, he does live by some, yeah, some weird sort of code. He has a code that he adheres to. But at the same time, he did say last episode, you know, you live your life thinking there are rules and there aren't. I don't know. Again, just agent of chaos. <laughs> but he, see, he does seem like he's kind of principled in, in some ways. In or, some or weird just, way. Or maybe he's just obstinate when it's suits him to get to his end goal yeah whether it be getting a hotel room and convincing a kid to pee in a gas tank or 
uh, threatening a postal worker. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah, and uh, then um, I guess I was, you know, I, I asked you about this, this mail question, but I was kind of just wondering <laughs> if it actually went through the mail or if there was some type of weird extra postal system that, like, um, I don't know puts these like crime related packages into package rooms and not having it go through like and maybe this is just a mail room but i think the guy said it was a post office right because if it was just a mail room this would make a little bit more sense so the the package contains uh, american phoenix the stavros milos story milos is that milos milos i Mi- do not remember yeah whatever so it's- you're gonna have to pick one <laughs> Some Greek bullshit. Possibly be wrong. <laughs> There's also a wall inside with a fake ID uh, that, and I believe uh, he's a minister, right? Yeah. Somehow tells the clerk to have a blessed day as his new minister self. He goes to meet Stavros, who is the supermarket king. So he walks into this grocery store, right? Mm-hmm. Carrying a briefcase. <laughs> and I just wonder, like, when was the last time you saw somebody carrying a briefcase around? And would you, like, do a hmm. double take if you saw somebody walking into the grocery store? Just with a briefcase? With you a just briefcase. like Do you just, like, assume it's a bomb or something? <laughs> I don't, I mean, and my mom is a, a notary public, so she has a briefcase, but I feel like she just takes it from, like, the car to the Office signing place. site, you know? Right. But, like... I just, you don't see it very A much. supermarket is a weird place for a briefcase. <laughs> just seemed kind of odd. I would, I feel like I would do a double take. I would probably be like watching this person with a briefcase in the supermarket out of the corner of my eye and like, where are they going? What are they doing? You know, if I, if I saw him in a supermarket with a briefcase, you know what my first thought would be? What would your first thought be? Is that Billy Bob Thornton? <laughs> 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 anyway. <laughs> um, so, uh. Stavros is being blackmailed. This blackmail letter is fantastic. Pretty cool. <laughs> pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I gotta love. Have you? Did you ever do that? Did you ever cut things out of magazines and make like a? Not know, with the throw... letters. Like definitely collages. But, yeah. but I probably did some collages where I pulled out like the letters for my name. So yeah, I guess I guess I have written a, a ransom <gasps> letter before. You're threatening Stavros Milos. Oh, just uh, Lauren. You know, Lauren's being hired by Milos to uh, find the find whoever's blackmailing him. There's a security. Uh, Milos, the security guy, uh, is there. He's like, just he looks like John Madden, kind of. <laughs> he gave me some like Martin Sheen vibes in certain scenes, but I can see like that. scary, scary Martin Sheen because Martin Sheen is so lovable. <laughs> um, I liked the the butcher window in the background. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I was That's just fun. thinking, like, would this it have a- the same? Same effect if it was, like, the deli or, like, <laughs> the bakery, the also, produce what, section. Why would you want a window to, I don't know, I wouldn't want a window to, like, the butcher shop in my office. It's such a weird office, too. Like, also, like, who has an office like that in a supermarket? But I guess he's the guy. <laughs> yeah, it's... He's the supermarket it's king. a cool set. It seems very impractical. Um, that butcher shop i mean you worked in a grocery store like that that would I've be done so all these much... jobs in this show <laughs> <laughs> it'd be like way messier right like there'd be so much more it'd feel more like a like a kitchen yeah 
yeah, yeah. I mean, restaurant it, type thing. It, then like, it's literally like tables covered in blood. Usually. <laughs> well, like I mean, that. I feel like this was just like three like large things of meat and a guy standing over a table with like a cleaver. If yeah, I remember just kind of poking at it, like, <laughs> poking at it with a cleaver. <laughs> but yeah, and then I was also wondering if it was um, like mirrored glass. If like. Could the butcher see oh, into like creepier. what was going on? And what if he just hires that it's gotta person be mirrored glass. to be to be the butcher, like right there? <laughs> like he's like, all you're supposed to do here is look menacing, just in case business you meetings. Need to, yeah, <laughs> I guess that would make sense, kind of as like a as a tactic. Uh, one more visual thing about this scene: I really liked how the crown was like right above his head <laughs> in most yeah. of the shots. The Super so. Monkey King. <laughs> yeah. It's Gotta know who the cool, king is. Cool lineup there. As they're talking about uh, about this note and uh, you know what he wants Lauren to do, uh, we get our first interaction with Dimitri who just barges in, tells a terrible joke. I don't even want to talk about it. I don't even want to talk about the joke, but I love this guy. Dimitri's my favorite. Complete goofus. Yeah. I, I love I really a good goofus. Like him coming back around with the <laughs> trombone joke. Yeah. <laughs> Billy Bob gives him one. And uh, Lauren asks uh, Milos to sign his copy of the book. <laughs> and again, I'm get I'm making a prediction that maybe he's going to use that signature for future crimes. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Maybe. And then, uh, yeah, it's great. And then as he as he as he leaves the store, he just steals someone's car. Just you know, why wouldn't you? Just get I, in. you know, I was wondering that. I was like, did he just leave his car in the, yeah. the middle of the parking lot? But yeah, no. now it makes more sense that it was. <laughs> That's what I thought like, too. I'm pretty sure we saw him park and yeah. then get out. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that that confused the hell out of me the first time too. I was like, what the fuck? He just left his car there. But no, it's, like, it's maybe this like, is like a Midwest thing where you're like, all right, gotta put this it was in some, the loading zone. <laughs> it was but. supposedly someone returning a cart, I guess, and he just like mm. got in, got in their car and took off. That makes more sense. And we go to Duluth, watching a goofy, you know, policeman. What was it called? Like a briefing? Yeah, a briefing. Uh, where where Gus finds out about the murders in Bemidji, and uh, he looks at the ticket that he didn't give Lauren, and he's feeling and, uh, guilty. Yeah. Finds out he's being put on uh, animal control because the guy called in sick from animal control. Uh, this dog was really cute. Um, <laughs> I, the way that he was like, I don't know, holding his arms up like he's trying to like grab the dog, doesn't seem very effective. This is how I like play like like I'm gonna attack my dog. And also, he absolutely should have had like some type of meat on him, and that dog would have come right away. I'm just saying. I have notes on how how to better <laughs> on dog get, control. <laughs> get yeah, this cute dog. Which I hope I hope the dog comes back because its head out the window was. You know, I really don't want to spoil. I don't want to spoil anything for you. Maybe I'll, I, I could might even... see. I could see this young girl who you know doesn't have a mother in the picture for some reason, which I have questions about. Very confusing. Needs she needs a dog. <laughs> so you want Gus to have a dog. dog. Yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna get, we're gonna call the writers, and we're gonna do, we're gonna talk about how the fifth season is gonna be about Gus and his dog. Perfect. Or just about the dog. Oh, okay. Cargo but dogs why, edition. Yeah. Why even why even get Hanks involved? 
So, yeah, he's Nanny's messing with the dog. And then he goes home. It's burgers and nuggets for dinner. I think as he's getting ready for dinner, or is he at the sink when he sees the lady across the front? Across it seems the to be in his bedroom, I would think, because he right. goes back into the the living room area. This yeah, but- this privacy situation is the most bonkers thing I've ever seen. Like, does nobody have curtains? Come on, what's happening here? I. But pretty cool I lady. I live in a city where there have been, you know several apartment buildings that I've either visited or lived in that have major like privacy issues but nothing <laughs> so bad as to like my window looks into your window directly into another window <laughs> like I mean they could probably hold hands like from across <laughs> the you would you would definitely get curtains and you would probably get pretty friendly with the people there's another scene later on too there's another window thing with Gus. Where he, yeah, no, like, I think the whole neighborhood just kind of, nobody shuts their windows. <laughs> it's weird. I, I just can't, I can't imagine feeling, like, it's basically like their living rooms are conjoined with yeah. how close they are. And you would think that you would become friends with those people or not, like, just have your blinds on all the time. Anyway. <laughs> but that's, yeah, that's but cool lady, though. Great lady. Very nice. Very nice of her to do that. Uh, Very nice. I'm a fan. Um, <laughs> she, she seems to be married. Yes. Because yeah, she's got, like, a whole family. I think that she's going to hook up with Gus. Interesting. But I don't know why that would be relevant. But maybe you got to get the sexy times in the movie or in the show, like, you know, hmm. whether it adds anything or not. <laughs> so um with their dinner she talks about a, a bullying assembly at school and they you know they kind of talk about um what to do if there was a bigger bully or that somebody had a knife and she was told to tell an adult and gus agrees but she says uh she says she uh, she says she would do something to stop the bully anyway and hopes that he would too because since he's a cop which is kind of like <laughs> kind of thrown in his face that he totally pussed out the other day yeah he's <laughs> definitely feeling guilty about this and i mean to be fair like a bully at school is different than like someone that is likely part of some type of like organized crime yeah a person who will like for sure kill you right now if you don't do what they say i would be i would be afraid of lord malvo just oh fuck yeah you know what my feeling would be if i saw lord malvo what, what would that be? I'd be like, is that Billy Bob Thornton? <laughs> anyway. Oh, okay. we're going to have a, a running joke. I can't wait. <laughs> but now you know the punchline that's coming. So it's not going to be as fun. <laughs> um, I think, is this, yeah, this is when Wrench and Numbers go to the strip club, right? Is that the next thing? Yes. And uh, they talk to, I think, like, who's like a bartender and a stripper. And they've been asking about, you know, they're asking, trying to find Lorne, and <laughs> this unlucky son of a bitch, you know, ends up having a head wound, and is vaguely, yeah, fitting the very, very vague description, like you said earlier, that Max gave them. Same, same haircut, which, again, which is wild. And he was even wearing, like, an outfit that Lorne would wear. Like, not quite as tailored, but so similar for... Yeah. And he's... Their bar order bothered me a little bit, but I guess it's just, you know, it's kind of just 
to show them to show that they're kind of quirky characters you know they were he, he asks for a orange soda for his friend and he orders a hot water with lemon just water not tea so yeah they and you know they're trying they're trying to figure out if this is the guy who killed sam and so they have a back and forth with him and he you know the dude's a dick and he's just <laughs> he's just being an asshole threatens them with a knife and i think uh Mr. Number says, oh, you like to play with knives? And I think, is it a, I'm pretty sure it's just a smash cut to them opening the trunk for Max. And he's he's tied up in the trunk, tape yeah. over his mouth. Oh, before okay. we leave the strip club entirely, I definitely thought that one of the dancers in the background was one of those red, like, inflatable <laughs> That's tube how men. dancing. <laughs> I'll have to go back and take a look. <laughs> Felt like that was what was happening. And, uh, yeah, so, and then Max... Max confirms that it's not the guy. They slam the trunk shut on him, which, you know, obviously they're just going to immediately drive him back to the strip club and buy him a lap dance for his troubles. Nice and kind-like. And then we cut yes. to... We're going to go see Milos's soon-to-be ex-wife, who's working out with Dennis. What was his name? Don? Don Chump. He's hanging, and she's, she's being Chump. personally trained by Chump, and he's covered in bronzer, which he gets on... He gets go the ahead. bronzer on Lauren when they shake hands. I love how the tanner is like way darker than his <laughs> lips. I think that this character is going to age into Donald Don Trump. Trump. In the, in the, for the next few episodes. This is one of those things where, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to your reaction to some of, some of the stuff he gets. His hijinks, if you will. Lauren's there saying that he's um, her lawyer's assistant and he's trying to get a read on. I, I think he's trying to figure out. I think it starts off. He's trying to figure out if it's the wife who's blackmailing him. I assume. Yeah. We get a sweet little scene with Dimitri coming home and just being an oaf. Lauren distracts him with really a little joke. joke. Yeah, she she totally shits on Stavros to the son, and the son and the son and the mom have a very cool hug where he just pushes his head into her boobs because that's how you hug your mom. Yeah, that was. Um... <laughs> I wrote weird hug, and I was like, what is that referring to? But yeah. now it's coming it back sure to It sure was, because he had to, like, bend, like, he had to, like um, bend his knees in half, like, into a right angle to get down to those boobs, and he did. Um, and so I guess as a person who's trying to kind of figure out the plot here, mentions, or the wife mentions that he, his, like, family was not well off, and so... He's, they're wondering where the money that he used to kind of oh, start yes, yeah. his empire yeah. comes from. Ooh. So that might be relevant. It, just it might, might not be. be. I, uh, we'll see. I feel like anytime we're talking about money. May or may not figure that out pretty quickly next week. <laughs> um, but I'm not saying anything about that. I don't know what you're talking about. At the motel. Okay. Let, let, so Lauren has a very interesting hobby of recording i guess all the phone calls he makes or it receives at least listening back to i him. wonder what it what the like technical thing is for him to set up the recording on the hotel phone the phone that he was using yeah. at the at the motel like i could see you doing that more readily if it was like your own phone but yeah that would be quite the setup to it's an, it's an odd to choice. do all of that for um, but I also just, his demeanor is so calm, like relaxed. Like he looks like he is doing a headspace, just like to meditation an old phone call. <laughs> while, while he's listening to Lester freak the fuck yeah. out. And I just, 
That's that's his podcast. I want to have. That's his relaxation time. And he, oh man, this is this is my favorite intimidation tactic of his. In this scene, (laughs) is pretty great because I don't know what what this fucking guy Semenko. I guess he's just he doesn't like it. This outsider, but he just really doesn't want Lester or Lester Lauren on this. And so he comes to his hotel to threaten him and try and run him out of town. Well, could you imagine if you were, like, kind of the protector fix-it man for this wealthy dude? And then he <laughs> hires someone else to come in and, like, take guess, care of our problem? But, but, like, obviously he's not doing it. He could still be doing it, but he's not. So, gotta bring it, gotta bring in... A maniac who stabs people in the back of the head. Clearly, he feels yeah. undervalued. And Lauren uh, doesn't. Say, I don't think he says a word to him the whole the whole scene. He's just staring at him. Slowly walks into the bathroom, drops his pants, and <laughs> we hear a, a nice splash in the water. This is <laughs> that's incredible. such fucking balls. It's, it's oh my god. Uh, the look on the, the guy's face and. <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't even know what, what I would do, do with that. Like, you're you gonna beat up a man who's who has shit coming out of his ass at the moment, <laughs> and he's so confident yeah. about it. Like, you just you lose I, in that moment. I do think it was a you it was a baller move on his behalf, though. When he when he he says it's disgusting, and he leave when he leaves, he leaves the <laughs> front door of the hotel room open so that if anybody walks by, they they see Lauren pooping. <laughs> so that's pretty funny. But it's also. Isn't it, like, even, like, he feels even more confident in that moment when there are two open doors. Just like, I'm sitting at Like, it's just a straight shot. And he still looks confident. He doesn't, he doesn't break. (laughs) Just starts reading the book. He doesn't get flustered by that. Was the book the... Yeah, yeah. American Phoenix, uh, yeah. Stavros' book? (laughs) Gotta get a copy of that. And uh, so, at the police station, Bill calls Molly into his office. Which used to be Burns. Okay, so I mm-hmm. I have a couple of notes here. I feel really bad yeah. for Molly. This is where it really hits home that like things are changing for her. They spent a lot of time last episode like showing how much Vern like validated mm-hmm. her and was like a very solid um, supervisor and mentor and yeah. just like cared for her and now she's just getting shit on like she has to actively work against her new boss and i just i feel like her spirits like slowly breaking down in this episode each time yeah. she interacts oh yeah with Bill. <laughs> i could see that for sure that is correct and they're you know they're etching the uh, etching Vern's name off of the the window pane as she turns to leave yeah, and this is um, something that I've thought about a little bit before. In my job as like uh, in operations, you're dealing a lot with like what are different processes yeah. that you would set out for different scenarios, and like I don't know what the ideal process is for when someone in your workplace like, dies. You have to replace them, but you would want to do it in a more, like, tactful way than just if a person quits and then you hire someone else. Hmm. And I feel like scraping the name off of the the door, I don't know how, how much time has passed, but that just feels like a, yeah. like, fuck this it's guy. It's pretty quick, because I'm pretty sure this here. is, like, obviously they went and saw Lester right after the funeral for Pearl. So, yeah, this has got to be, like, this is 
probably their next conversation after that, right? So this has got to be like the next day. Yeah, this is like immediate. Yeah, this maybe. is within the week, <laughs> I think, of Vern's death. Uh, have you have you worked anywhere where someone Oof, died? Yeah. yeah. Or like <laughs> while you were there? Yeah, god. Oh man, when I worked at uh, when I worked at Albertsons, you just remind I haven't thought about this guy in years. Man, there's this manager there named Dave and he was just like a quiet old guy and I just remember oh, man this poor son of a bitch his wife and his daughter would come in and they would just berate him in front of people like in front of everyone they'd just be they, his, they would yeah it was horrible and yeah wow. just one day came into work and they were just like yeah he hung himself last night they're just like ooh I, I, not to be oh, well I'm going terrible. to be dark I, but I remember when he when I found out he hung himself and I was like yeah I kind of get it <laughs> because <laughs> yeah they would just That's be assholes to him and just loudly in public and he would just take it and just kind of be like okay that suck <laughs> have well, you that's terrible yeah um this um at my last job someone someone died from like a drug overdose and a lot of people were like friends with this person so it was like they hung out all the time outside of work and I didn't know him at all but it just seemed like it was really hard on everyone but you'd kind of hope that the like higher up people would I don't know take their time to make it seem like that person was valued (laughs) at the company instead of just like oh well they're literally dead to us they didn't show up for their shift. We don't care anymore. So anyway, I just thinking about operations, but that just seems sad that they were doing that so quickly. But yeah, shit like that is shit like that. Right. Yeah, it just sucks. And but at the same time, you know, I guess life goes on, and a business is a business, right? So you gotta keep doing your job. Yeah, I mean, you still have to have to figure some things out. Bill doesn't really seem to no, care that much about putting up a fish on his wall. Oh, that's her. another thing about his office that I love is uh, there's a portrait of George W. Bush on the wall, just like a picture of his face. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm going to get a picture of Joe Biden and just hang it uh, next to this chair here where we do the podcast. <laughs> Maybe a fish. Perfect. <laughs> so, and then we go to, with Lester. He goes into the basement and, uh, gets the hammer out from the uh, washing machine. Um, I didn't notice that the blood is on, like, the red-orange oh, yeah, yeah. fish. Like, he really rams his head directly into that one fish. What's, oh, really? Is it blood from his head? Oh, oh, maybe it's not from his head, but there's, like, I think red blood. Wasn't it like, I think it was, like, splatter from him bashing in Pearl's head and, like, swinging the hammer back. If I remember correctly, I think. Oh, maybe. Maybe it wasn't from his head. It just seemed like right where he he would have. <laughs> he really targeted but that, that I don't fish. know that you would get blood from, like, the impact. I don't think his head's cut open, is it? Again, though, great, just great move ramming your head into the uh, poster there and knocking yourself out. Oh, yeah, shit. Sorry, I just remembered something from later on. <laughs> I love that poster. Also, like, you know... One thing that I've learned about grief as I've gotten older and dealt with more of it myself and seen other people is that it's really complicated when you don't 
like that person <laughs> or there's like bad feelings, but it's still there and there's still like a grieving process. But then I like can't even imagine what grief looks like when you're the murderer. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And I feel like you see a lot of conflicted feelings on his face throughout some of these scenes where yeah because you, know, you know he obviously wants to not get caught for the murder but he does want to be a good person like, i think in a way but at the same time throughout this whole thing he makes so many just sociopathic decisions of self-preservation yeah. that it's but he does want to be a good person but only as long as he's going to be okay and also maybe he kills yeah, his wife it, every now and then <laughs> yeah, I'm just wondering, like, kind of what... I, I imagine that he is, like, is actually missing and grieving his yeah. wife during a lot of this. And which is just made very complicated by the fact that she... He is better off without her in his life. Yeah. But he is also a terrible person for killing her. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, then... Uh, so he, he takes the hammer... But we don't really see what we don't see what he does with it. I don't believe, right? Yeah. When did he put that and, um, in the he, washer? He Was does that like just right after. Did we see him do that? I believe so. Okay. Yes. Yeah, he had to have done it before. Yeah, he had to have done it right then. I mean, I guess I believe that he did it. It just seems like a really well secure place, given how. Yeah. No, because remember, he he also we we see him dealing with the clothes as well. Right afterwards, he wraps all his clothes into a bag. I think cleans off the hammer right as right after he murdered his wife and then he calls Lorne that's what it was yeah I guess it just seems like a really like getting it all the way in there but maybe the back of the washing machine was already like open from oh yeah he was working on it yeah he was working on it it's just a really secure place given how not well secured everything else is that could possibly incriminate (laughs) him (laughs) <laughs> just you know yeah oh man oh man there's so many situations coming that you're gonna you're gonna have these similar problems with and so yeah they, and then he goes he decides to stay with Chaz and kitty for a little while and uh they put him in Gor- gordo's room where he finds one of his uh jars of pee i <laughs> that, so need cool. to tell you i mean a i he told you about the piss jar why would you take the lid Grab off it. of a mason jar filled with yellow liquid like he told you but also also i need to tell the world about this horrible thing that was forced upon me which is um tom i think i know where you're going found a youtube channel um oh about like a like a home chemist type person and i endured like 20-ish minutes of this guy, this chemist, turning his urine into, like, a anti-seizure medication. <laughs> Wait, it didn't, it didn't actually work, did it? Well, it was only part <laughs> one, so I didn't get to the the final result. Jesus. Um, based on well, other cool. videos, I think he got it, but it was really disgusting to, like, see, he was just pouring his urine into like different things and he cleaned it out in a way that it didn't make me want to vomit um (laughs) but i felt like that prepared me for this moment because i was 
I really struggled with that video, but then uh. when this came up, I was like, no big deal. <laughs> At least he's not heating it's my it. My nephew's pee. And stirring yeah. it, you know, like, this oh, is God. easy. Easy peasy compared to oh, what I've could, endured. Could you imagine what hot pit, like, cooking piss smells like? Uh, he... <laughs> He described, like, the bad smell. He, like, concentrated oh. it, too, at some point to, like, get the extra water oh, out. Oh, God, man. Just... Jesus. No. Yeah, I'm, gu- I'm good. By the way, <laughs> yeah. did you did you guys watch that, uh, that uh, like, short documentary about uh, the most inbred family in America? No. I sent it to Tom. Yeah. Really? Tom probably watched it. Oh, you gotta watch it. I'll send it to you after this. It's so, it's so amazing. Anyway... <laughs> It's called, if anybody wants to watch it, it's on YouTube. It's called Soft White Underbelly. And oh boy, these are some cool folks. Folks, folks, folks. So anyway, um, they have a little TV. They're eating dinner and eating on uh, TV trays, which, have you ever eaten off of those? Did you guys have those in the Flowers household? Absolutely. Yeah, I figured. They have they have nicer ones now. Um, you're, you're above ground pool people. Hell yeah, your TV dinner tray people. We used to have like these uh, like light wood ones that I felt like everyone had that yeah. had TV trays. Yeah, it was yeah. like the mm-hmm. standard. But now my parents have ones that have like um, um oh what's it called? It's like a faux marble like. No, they're marble. Top to it is <laughs> is like a faux marble, and the legs are black. So it's such really class, fancy. <laughs> such grace, <laughs> high life. <laughs> yeah, so. that's cool. I hated those. I hated eating off them. They were so. It was so. It's just not. I don't know. It's your legs are all. You can't move your legs, and you have to like hunch over it. Well, okay. You're sitting where, in an awkward chair. Where do you eat dinner? I don't know. At like a table, table. You eat at a table, like yeah, most of the time. Or just like, or like if I if I if I like I'm sitting on a couch and watch it, and like if I need to watch TV from in the living room and eat at the same time, I'll just put the fucking plate on my my lap. Okay, we have been eating, you know, at our coffee table for a long time, and then yeah. finally I was like, I want. A dining room table because I would like an option that isn't sitting at <laughs> the coffee table um, on the couch or at my desk, which is you yeah. know like where I would do it if I was working. But that's just sad if you're not. Um, <laughs> but I still don't end up eating at the dining room table very often because yeah, it, it, it ends up just TV. It, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it, gen- dining room tables generally just collect like letters and mag- yeah. like shit you, you need to put somewhere, but <laughs> don't have like a s- <laughs> storage space for it. Every once in a while, you eat it. But anyway, so okay, so um, is this when? Yeah, this is when Lester talks about selling the house and stuff like that. Is Chaz in real estate? Um, I don't think so because he says his buddy says it's all. He says. He'll call his buddy who is like a realtor or something. Okay. I just wasn't then, sure like what his specific thing is and if maybe that will Maybe. Well, but I figure but if he was a realtor, he would probably help Lester himself, not call his friend, I would think. That's but what true. do I know? That's very true. I don't know if we ever find out exactly what he does. We do see his office at one point. Okay. But we won't know until we get there, will we? <laughs> no spoilers. 
Uh, so, and, uh, oh, and Kitty grabs his hand and he winces in pain. Because that's not a plot point, the hand. Yeah. That, that, it's just going to heal up and go away. But since it hurts, he goes to the pharmacy to get a topical ointment. <laughs> I like he's like, I have a wound. <laughs> yeah, for, what, what do you call it, a wound? <laughs> I don't know if um, I would want to tell somebody that I had a wound. Yeah, just... There's a fucking cut on my hand. I, I'm worried about getting infected. A uh, wound? Um, but yeah, of course. I, I don't know if Molly did just happen to run into him. Do you think she did, or do you think she tracked him down? I don't know. She seemed very ready to, yeah. like, question him. But we don't really get anything to indicate that she knew that he would be there. Yeah, um, like, I, I think she did just run into him, but yeah, but I also think this is like the only thing on her mind. So yeah, she she'd be at the ready at any point of the day, you know. Yeah, she's gonna jump to it. Um, yeah, this orange jacket uh, in some <laughs> scenes really reminds oh me of Kenny from South Park. <laughs> yeah, like oh, it's she- just so large on him, and I don't know. Some of the scenes from like behind, I'm just um. Speaking of fashion, I noticed that Molly's fur hat is, like, a pretty, like, it's a short fur, it's, like, black, whereas Bill's is just, like, really long and wild and, like, different colors, and it really just feels like, like, I don't know, indicative of their characters, that, like, Molly is... No nonsense, you know, she has the fur hat because it's going to keep her warm and it's a dark color because, you know, it's like mm-hmm. streamlined and focused and Bill's is like a wild, he's like a wild animal. <laughs> they gave the clown the clown wig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's that, yeah, they're definitely indicative. <laughs> um, and she follows him out to the parking lot. She Oh yeah, asking all sorts of questions that, that, uh, and again with the terrible lying you know he's there to get you know something for his hand and as the pharmacist is getting it you know molly's asking him a question he just immediately goes oh you know what i forgot and just uh, you know just tries to get out of the situation and i wrote in the notes as well on this uh because i i meant to look it up but i didn't um as he's walking away the um the pharmacist goes sir you're unguent sir what the fuck is unguent? Have you ever heard that word before? It was in the trivia, but I don't really? remember specifically. I'll, <laughs> the fuck is an unguent? I'll pull it up. Write us in at a Fargon Conclusion Pod at gmail.com. What is an unguent? What do we have next? Oh, yeah, sorry. Now I'm just thinking about unguents. Uh, yeah, so and she follows him out to the car, stops him, at, and says, I don't think this is your car, Lester. And he says, it's not. My, it's my wife's car. My car's in the shop. Lauren stole his car and drove Which it to the Which I did not realize until... Well, I guess I think I realized it. Does Gus Grimley have... Did he run the license plate? He has the license plate on the ticket, but he didn't run it because he didn't report the, the uh, traffic okay. stop. So, yeah, it took me, like, this episode to realize that his car was stolen. Is that yeah. Pearl's car? I guess so, yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> oh man so like um, it looks like um someone who runs like a doll museum 
<laughs> works in her backseat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so he's yeah, he's obviously very fucking flustered. Just try, tries his best to just stutter his way through lying to a police officer. And uh, says he's feeling harassed. Drives off in a hurry. And we cut to Molly talking to her dad at the coffee shop. Lou's coffee shop. Oh, and that's... Ooh, I gotta... I have. To, I honestly have to pull this up because there's a couple things I wanted to comment about Lou's coffee shop as well. Is uh, First of all, he sells shots. Did you see that? <laughs> there's a shot... I, there's a thing on the menu. Shots at a coffee shop. That is interesting. I Maybe it was... I don't know if it was at Lou's <laughs> or the other place in the first episode where they had um, white Russians on the, on the menu. Was it at Lou's? It was like the, the special like drink, which just seems wild for most places. But He sells highballs, too. Um, all right. So the piece of trivia here says that that is a... This is certainly a reference to the original movie, Fargo, when... Gear Grimsrund claims he needs ungent after Gene Ludengard bit his hand. So it's oh, a really? Reference. Oh, interesting. I don't know why he said that. Um. He was a he's a foreign guy. <laughs> okay, that's kind of cool. And I like that. As we're I guess winding down this episode, uh, was Lou the chief in season two? Oh shit! I don't know. Um, I assume he becomes chief. I think he he definitely that, becomes right? chief at one point. Yeah, but I I do okay. think he is just an officer during the season, which I don't know what you're talking about. We haven't watched season two. Um, and someone says scofflawry, which is a very cool word. Scofflawry. Um, this is the men. Real quick, as well. Sorry. Oh, go, go ahead. Well, actually, you finish. You finish your thing. Oh, um, I just looked up. The, the term and scofflaw is a noun that was coined during the prohibition era to mean a person who drinks illegally you know what's crazy is I, I I went on Hulu and opened this episode to look at the menu at Lou's and I I clicked and I paused it and I paused it as Lou is saying scofflawry <laughs> okay it was Lou said, there we go yeah <laughs> that's so crazy you're just talking about it I just clicked right to it <laughs> I just Mur- I don't know. Sound, sounds Murder like a and violence into scofflawry. Yeah, I've never heard it. So this is the menu at Lou's: chicken fillet sandwich, chicken nuggets, chicken fingers, combo with fries, steak sandwich, Salisbury steak, broaster chicken. That's the whole menu. That's all he makes. Wow. <laughs> and I tried to see on the other walls if there was another menu, and that's the that's how I found out he also sells shots of alcohol, because the only other menu on the wall is it just says beer highballs and shots this is a cool diner <laughs> yeah he is like you get these it's like in and out but like more random you know like you don't really get a variety here <laughs> yeah you want chicken or chicken or chicken or salisbury steak oh lou you weirdo um all right so, so yeah. this conversation that molly has with lou is it's a little interesting he is talking about you know her wanting like him wanting her to have like a family and kids mm-hmm. don't know if that's just you know some patriarchal bullshit there or <laughs> if she's talked about wanting that herself and he's just saying hey you can't do that if you're dead um yeah. from being a cop but just, you know gonna 
Similar shout out the patriarchy, just in case. <laughs> um, but he says, well, we all know how you felt about Vern. I mean, heck, who didn't? And so this makes me wonder if she was like, Either she either had a crush on Vern or she was previously like interested in him. Huh. I had assumed that he was just a very good boss, and I could also see that being like maybe some of the only validation that she gets, and it just turns into her thinking that, hmm. which would also be I don't know, it adds a different layer of context to the scenes of Molly with Ida because it's not just like oh, we both lost this person. It's like, you got to be with this person in a way that I never will. Huh. I hadn't even considered that. That's interesting. I don't know. I mean, can do you think that her dad saying, well, we all know how you felt about Vern, could that be, like, anything but? Like, that doesn't seem platonic to me. Right after a conversation, right after he talks about how talks about her having children and a husband like within the same breath almost right yeah huh i don't know i hadn't i i didn't take it that way but when you say it it makes sense yeah i you know i was wasn't thinking that at all until that line and then when we were talking about some of the other stuff even episode one stuff i was like hmm she brought him coffee when she picked him up from his house yeah and you know he's he was sitting there in the diner like telling her like how good she is as like um a police officer and how she's gonna be promoted and you know just hearing something like that from someone that you're like interested in would be there's that crazy blowjob scene where she blows him oh yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) well and you know she finds him she seems really devastated when she finds him oh yeah and the like paint can't you know i just feel like that adds a little bit more to to it than just her losing a person she worked with and knew. Yeah. But I, I mean, I prefer her to not be just having a crush on her boss that wasn't interested in her. I just that's kind of where I was a, leaning. Rather, it'd be a platonic like uh, work relationship. I love but the maybe. idea of them. Of him just straight up being a mentor to her. Yeah. And I think that Lou and he definitely is, was. Lou is seeing more of the, like, you could be next to get killed as a police officer. But I don't yeah. know if she's seeing that or not. This is also, like, this is pretty much the exact same scene to a certain point as their conversation in the first episode as well. At the end of the first episode. Yeah. You know, just Lou saying, I'd rather you didn't, and her going, well, I'm gonna. (laughs) Yeah, and I think, like, she... Except he's telling her, or he's saying she should be a school teacher this time instead of being a waitress. Um, yeah. I think she gets gets interrupted, but... Oh, yeah, and yeah, that's when, yeah, Bill comes in and says to her, and I quote, Hey... You're oh. doing too much good police work. You, they, stop that. That's what he said. Oh, and I think, actually, I think I was wrong here that it wasn't, it was Bill who said that about her. Oh, really? Feeling that way about Vern, I think. So, I don't know. He's very unreliable. 
<laughs> but also for him to pick up on something like that, maybe like she had a crush at one point and he was just like, maybe that's the only thing I ever pay attention to now. The one day that uh, I was yeah, sober, I caught this little tidbit. But anyway, we don't need to go too deep into that because I'd rather not focus on her unrequited love. Burn. Yeah. Her um, future is with Gus Grimley. No. Um, and then we get some really good shots uh, to head out to a frozen lake. And oh, just real, real quick, just I just want to I just want to say as well. Just Bill does come in, but he he uh, base, basically he comes in, uh, kind of scolds her, I guess, for going back and talking to Lester. Takes her off the case, so she's and he he's pretty adamant he, she's not allowed to work on this case anymore. She's just she's uh, lead on the frozen naked guy case. As she's leaving, Lou says uh, he'll see her for dinner. So yeah, and then we get then we're going to probably the coolest sequence of the episode, I would say. Well shot. The scenery was really good. I think that they they lined up a lot of great shots of them kind of like off in the distance and the the white snow and like the lights. I don't know. It was just all very cinematic and pretty and the music was like evocative. It's good good vibes. Yeah. That um that it's it's a spoken word album, I guess is what you'd call it, but it yeah, it's like it's this guy Eden Abez and the song or poem whatever you want to call it is called full moon interesting it's pretty cool. um and then he uh, mr ranch brings out a like he brings out this like tool i guess that um it's will a drill create, of like, some a, kind yeah a drill ice drill creates this perfect circle and <laughs> uh i don't know i just i thought you would use like a handsaw for something like that um well hey if you got a giant drill just on you why not use it? <laughs> but I, I think a lot of a lot of people up there. I mean, for ice fishing and stuff, they have those sort of things, you know. Do you think that they do a lot of ice fishing, or do you think they do a lot of body dumping? Oh, Mister Wrencher, Mister Numbers. No, yeah, that, that's for body dumping. That's the body dumping drill. But I'm just saying, <laughs> most people would generally use that for ice fishing. <laughs> I mean, I just is there. I guess that's the most efficient tool, right? To yeah. It yeah. just seems so bulky. Yeah, but you know when there's not a guy when there's not a guy taking up space in your back seat because he's in your trunk, you have room for the drill. Okay. <laughs> I guess so, but I feel very bad for this guy who just looked. Shouldn't, shouldn't hurt your head, man. You really shouldn't hurt your head. I mean, that's what happens when you get that haircut. <laughs> yeah. 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 No. God. That, oh, could you imagine? how much that would suck just ice cold water your arms tied behind your back your feet tied up just that's it oh god i don't even like getting in the shower like when the shower's a little bit too cold and you're like eh. <laughs> no it'll get warmer just freezing cold water oof yeah i hear drown i hear drowning is actually not a bad way to die though like i i like it's like it sucks it sucks it sucks but then when your lungs fill up and you actually uh, start to go apparently you, you like get calm and warm who who reported on this people people, have, <laughs> people who have like technically drowned and been okay. brought back to life you know like uh, by lifeguard or something <laughs> i don't know i've i've heard that places 
But what do I know? And what do they know? These, these people are stupid enough to drown. Maybe they like dying. So yeah. That's, <laughs> that's the, the episode. That's the episode. Cody's expertise <laughs> on drowning. Um, we got... You, you know what I would say if trivia. I saw oh. Lorne Mal... You know what I would say if I saw Lorne Mal- Malvo drowning? That looks like Billy Bob Thornton. Is that Billy Bob Thornton? <laughs> 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 All right. All Spoiler right. Spoiler <laughs> So trivia, there wasn't a whole lot here. There was a note that scraping the name off of the um, off the office door is a reference to the Hudsucker proxy. But I don't oh, is know. it? Is that I haven't a movie? seen that one. It's yeah, that's a Coen Brothers movie, so that makes sense. Oh, okay. I haven't seen Hudsucker proxy though. It's, it's one of the ones I've skipped. And um, and then the title is another. This is a parable. So let's see if we'll be oh, any God. better at. This one. <laughs> Now we got to find uh, out what the rooster is. The title, The Rooster Prince, refers to the parable of the same name. A prince is put under a curse where he believes himself to be a rooster and sits under the table naked, pecking at the floor. What? The king and queen ask around for someone to help cure their son when an old man volunteers, saying he knows how to cure him. He, too, takes his clothes off and sits under the table with the prince, pretending to be a rooster. Eventually, the prince be friends his rooster friend and the old man shows him how a rooster can do human things such as sit at a table and wear clothes eventually the old man is able to bring back his old human habits one bit at a time curing him okay i'm just picturing lester naked under a table pecking (laughs) at the floor so is lester the rooster prince i don't know Write us in at fargoandconclusionpod at gmail.com. Who's the rooster prince? Who's the crocodile? I mean, it definitely feels like there's a bit of, like, of Lorne pulling Lester out. But that's more of a theme from yesterday's, or last week's episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, you mean the thing we did a couple hours ago? <laughs> I didn't do anything with episode one yesterday, so I don't know what's going on in my head. Um, oh, fuck it. So, yeah, I don't know. It, that doesn't really seem like a strong of a theme for this episode. I don't know if someone yeah. else is doing like, I don't know. I guess we'll, you know, e- email in. We'll, we'll yep. talk more. At least this we'll one makes on sense that. to me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's true. I was Crocodile I was worried going was. into this that I would finish reading it and be like, I don't even know what I just read. <laughs> and that crocodile one, I mean, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Who's this stoner asshole coming up with this? <laughs> Dude, and like, if the crocodile wanted to give it back, you can't give it back, bro. You got it. But if the guy wants the child, then the crocodile's like, no. But if he doesn't want it, he's like, yep. <laughs> Anyway. Maybe maybe we'll do edibles at some point, and we'll just <laughs> list out all the par- paradoxes and parables. Yeah, bro. That sounds good. Oh, shit. I, I'm glad we did this. I forgot to hit record. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what do you got right. for... Favorite lines? Yeah. I wrote a couple in, but... I did not grab any for this episode. Yeah, I just wrote, you know, what kind of bone will a dog never eat? Trombone. This is where I wrote unguent, because I was curious about the word. 
And uh, my, fa- but my favorite uh, quote, I guess my favorite quote is from Lou at the end when he's uh, talking to Molly. He and he's talking about what he thinks uh, happened with Vern and Pearl, and he says savagery, pure and. S- God, hold on, let me take that again. <laughs> savagery, pure and simple. Slaughter, hatred, devils with dead eyes, shark smiles. You need to see what's good in the world, because if you don't, how are you going to live? That is good. That's a good line. Yeah. That should go on his tombstone. When he <laughs> never dies, because it's too precious. Lou Solverson lives forever. Okay, and our best death this week it goes to the Lauren Malvo lookalike. Letty, being, I think, is his name. For being the only death. Yep. And pretty um, pretty spectacular one. It was a good one. Um, yeah. Do you think that that one would have beat out any of the ones from last? Ooh. Last like week. No. <laughs> Maybe uh. It'd go above Trunk Guy, who barely counted. Yeah. 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 Better. Definitely better than Trunk Guy. He's he, Trunk Guy. He's the sequel to Trunk Guy. He's the other Trunk Guy. Yeah. <laughs> they're all they're all trunk guys in the end. All right, and, uh, and our MVP, we got a few contenders here: Mr. Wrench, Mr. Numbers, mm-hmm. Dimitri, Stavros, and Lorne. I think uh, you... I have to go with Lorne for yeah. the poop scene. Yep, yeah, and I mean, yeah, just this is him intimidating everyone through different tactics <laughs> or you know fool, fooling everyone is you know, fooling everyone and intimidating everyone i think it's also like kind of interesting to see i felt like in the first episode he was thrown into a new situation kind of you know he's like stops in this town that he wasn't intending to stop mm-hmm. in ends up doing a murder he didn't intend to do but now we're getting back to like kind of his routine yeah. This is what he does on a normal basis, and he's, and you just kind of see that range in, he's like, he's so competent in, like, everything he does, and just kind of satisfying to see him Oh yeah, do these things well. Um, I would agree with you only if Dimitri hadn't stolen the show. Uh, what was <laughs> the first joke? Do you, do you have that one? What kind of, what kind of drink does a martial artist drink or something like that a martial artist wow that's terrible karate. no it's not it's not even that good it's karate. what's a karate expert's favorite beverage oh god really <laughs> <laughs> karate <laughs> trombone jokes better yeah um but and yeah, i just the, i, I love their interaction um his interaction with lauren with that yeah. joke like i don't know they're just they had really good chemistry. Yeah, I, I'd say I'd say you're right with Lauren because you, I would like to give like Mr. Wrench and Mr. Numbers are both great, but they're good as a as a duo. Should, Neither of them outshines the other. I, I would say. Well, I think that I need to know more about them before I can give them an MVP. Fair enough. Like, and they, they're going to have there's going to be a couple episodes in the future that like they that did a cool gonna... they did a cool murder, but. I don't care about the person that they murdered, except for the <laughs> fact that, like, he was seemingly innocent yeah. and just got caught up in their their thing. 
Um, but I also don't have- really get any any personal motivations. And I feel like um, similar to season two, how there were some people that you didn't really get to know until later in the season. I feel like that's what's going to happen with these guys. Mm-hmm. I can see where you, why you'd think that. Okay. I think that's that's it for this episode. Nailed it. All right. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Far Gone Conclusion. Next week, we'll be covering Season 1, Episode 3, A Muddy Road. You can find us on Twitter at FargonePod and Instagram at FargonConclusion. You can email us at uh, FargonConclusionPod at gmail.com. If you have something nice or terrible to say, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And you can find me on Instagram at ShamePrayer and listen to my band Bold Villain on all streaming platforms. You can find me on Twitter at TEAflow or check out my website, TiffanyFlowers.co. And until next week, don't wear bronzer when you're blackmailing someone. Nailed it.